created live on Fireside. Welcome to Go Team, the sports history podcast that's going to make you look back at your senior high school English class and say, oh, I did need to remember that stuff about the Canterbury Tales after all. (laughs) I'm your host, Kelly, and with me is my wonderful husband, Josh. You know what? That's it's what this is all about. Chaucer. Yeah, it's all about Chaucer. Um. And if I recall, I mean, I don't want to give too much away about your story because I want to be wowed by it. But someone who I'm married to took a whole class in college dedicated to Chaucer, got a D in it, and then talked his way into a C <laughs> via his professor, even though he didn't earn the C. This is, well, I... <laughs> Part of that story is true. I most assuredly earned the C. Uh, anyone who has tried to memorize old English and then recite it in front of a group of peers at the age of 20 years old always earns a C. Whether you do it or not, it's the effort that counts there because old English is absolutely ridiculous. And in fact, I'll have you know that Chaucer and the Canterbury Tales, his poem and his writing style of old English literally like died with Chaucer. Like it went, it went out of style with Chaucer basically. So uh, it, it was something that is very unique to that time frame. So it, it's, it's very difficult to read. I was going to share a little bit of it later, but yes, oh, I, can't I, am an ex- I am a Chaucer expert. I, I mean, you're a C level Chaucer expert who took one class. So I'm not ma- sure that make an expert makes, but I never took a Chaucer class, so I can't really uh, compare. But I feel like you had a lot of times in college where you kind of skated through a class and, like, floated on by, but still, you know, got a bachelor's degree. But that could only happen to you. Yeah, that's that's just – that sounds like the uh, green-eyed monster talking right there. It's not a green-eyed monster. It's just, once (laughs) again – who does the world work out for? Oh, the white man. Oh, okay. And he happens to be 6'4". Oh, because the world loves a tall white man. So, of course. Well, let me tell you what. It, you. it honestly did not did not help me at all when I tried to re- remember and cite Chaucer. But I'm going to channel that, that great um, uh, Chaucer vibe tonight as we talk about the Coastal Carolina University Chanteliers. Chanteliers. Or may, yeah, perhaps, it. perhaps it's pronounced cantaliers. <laughs> I don't. Um, I don't think so. I think it's chanteliers because I happen to have in my hot little hands here a YouTube video on how you pronounce it. Yeah. So uh, go ahead and drop that in the the chat there for those listening live on Fireside. They can uh, check out the link and chantelier. Uh, Really get there. If you listen to the link in the chat, or if you just Google it, you can find uh, pronunciations on YouTube, which is great. We've actually used it a few times in trying to learn how to pronounce team names, because that's what we do here on Go Team. We talk about the origin and history of teams and their names and the cultural significance of them. And uh, this on this particular uh, refrain, uh, this uh, woman pronouncing it on this YouTube video begins to scold you for not doing it right about three or four times in. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, lady, 
<laughs> How do you know I'm still Chanteliers. having <laughs> She's like, you idiot. Yeah. So, uh, which I'm sure is pronounced completely different in, uh, in Great Britain than it is in uh, South Carolina. So they probably say cantaliers or cantaliers. Cantaliers. Cantalier, yeah. Yeah. So you, you can take your pick, but, uh, so yeah, so ba- basically that, that's, that's where we're at. But my story tonight does not, not at all begin, uh, with the, the Chanteliers of Coastal Carolina University. Uh, well, our I story tonight. That. Yeah. So, you know, I always love to dial dial back the way back machine to get to the root of where a team's name came from and its cultural significance and how it impacts things. That's our whole bag, baby. We're taking it way back. Remember when I went back to the potato famine in Ireland to talk about the Boston Celtics? Oh, I remember it was a thing. It was, Uh, but I'm going to start in the 1960s. So it's not way, way back, but decently back. And, to get to the story of how the Coastal Carolina University became the Chanteliers begins in the 1960s. And Coastal Carolina University actually started as a small uh, subset university uh, college to South Carolina uh, University. And they were a, a pretty small school uh, at the late 50s, early 60s. In fact, they only did about had about a thousand students and twelve faculty on staff, so it was a it was a budding two year program school at the time, uh, growing in numbers, but though soon to be a full fledged university in many years to come. But at the time, they were just starting to grow, uh, grow their programs and grow their offerings. And so, in uh, in the early sixties, they uh, the, the, they had the nickname Trojans for a little while, being bantied about. Uh, but then in 1962, a man named Cal F. Maddox, who was the English professor at the university, was tabbed to be the basketball coach. What was his name? Cal F. Maddox. If you say it fast enough, it sounds like some sort of machine that makes bottle caps or something. The Cal F. Maddox? Califmatics, yeah, that does kind of sound like that. Uh, yeah, totally. And and so he he had become uh, the basketball coach because he because uh, it was a small university, and I guess you know. And he played it, basketball once, so they were like, "Yeah, well, pretty much, yeah." This you is know, on uh, you. <laughs> in fact, uh, there's a great uh, article which I got a lot of information uh, for my story from. Uh, Coastal Carolina University's website, coastal.edu. And there's a great story uh, about about how, how they got the mascot because it's such a unique mascot name, the Chanteliers, that uh, it, it says, Maddox says he was coach enough to understand. <laughs> that was, he was good enough to understand. Like he just, you know, wasn't a great pick for the basketball team, but a good enough coach to understand the sport, basically, <laughs> which is kind of, <laughs> And he even so said that he pick, basically picked me to coach the yeah, basketball team. Yeah, he, and he's actually was even quoted once saying that he became the basketball coach, uh, quote, sort of by default. <laughs> 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 so I think that's fantastic. So you can imagine what happens when an English professor 
becomes a head coach. Hijinks. Hijinks. Right. We're, a little bit of hijinks. We're talking Dead Poets Society hijinks We're talking all over Dead Poets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're talking pure, like, inspiration only. How can, And then also, how can we be disruptive? How can we change the narrative of what basketball is and should be, right? So, uh, so he became becomes the coach, and and with it is born a new name. Now, if I was, it was a great movie, this is where you would be annoyed because after the first ten minutes, you're like you're invested in the story, and then all of a sudden, boom! Now we're going to the backstory. So, boom! Backstory. Here we come. And uh, what happens is uh, we have to go all the way back. You say that to me like I would be annoyed when all I want is the backstory on anything in every situation. So I would be like, oh, my God, now we're going back to the Middle Ages. Yes. (laughs) Well, guess where we're going? We're not even going to the Middle Ages right now. Oh, we're we're not. Are we going to get there? We'll get to the Middle Ages. But before we get to the Middle Ages. We're doing this Bill and Ted style. We're going back to ancient Greece. <gasps> Socrates? But instead of Socrates, we're bringing up a little man named Aesop. Oh. You know Aesop? The sopper? Yeah. From Aesop's fables? He's got some fables. Famous. He's, a, he's the fabler. He's the fabler. Fablist yeah. of the fables. So mm-hmm. we got to go all the way back to, to Aesop. 560 BC is where we're at. And right, Aesop's right now. Yeah. And he's got some fables. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar with the fables, you probably know the tortoise and the hare. And that's probably the most famous. Another one that he wrote was a fable called The Fox and the Crow. And in The Fox and the Crow, he tells a story about how a wily fox plays on the vanity of a crow. Um, and ends up being able to catch the crow. Uh, but the crow then plays on the vanity of the fox and gets loose and gets away. So the whole fable is don't let people um, – don't don't let your own vanity uh, influ- have other people try to influence you through the vanity that you have, right? And um, wildly successful, right? The, all the Greeks in Delphi loving it. They're, they're all about Aesop's fables. I realized that Aesop's Fables was that old. Like, I feel like for some reason I always thought it was more of a maybe like 1700s invention. So now I feel kind of stupid. Mm, I don't know. Google it. Maybe I'm wrong. No, you're so- not because I did Google. I'm putting a picture <laughs> of his. <laughs> I because I like to check. I've if already you're wrong. googled. I've already fact check, checked you, and it turns out you're right. I'm, we do live fact checking here on Go Team, um, and I posted a picture of a bust of um, Aesop, uh, and he was old timey. Yeah, you were right. See, you, look at the, what you're already learning. This is amazing. I know. I love learning new things. Yeah. So, uh, so he writes a, and and Aesop's fables automatically runaway smashing success worldwide well at least in greece and then eventually gets handed throughout oh, europe he was a slave too did you know that i this is not about aesop right now okay i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> so we get now we got a flash so he's write, written this book very very famous people love it now we flash forward to the middle ages where you wanted to get to and uh 
we got a gentleman named Chaucer doing the poetry game, doing his poetry uh, writing, and writing his his piece, the masterpiece, the masterwork, Canterbury Tales. The year is 1390, by the way. So, oh. yeah, we're still way back in in time. Uh, mo- and as I said, in in Middle English time, because uh, the, if you've ever tried to read the Canterbury Tales, it is absolutely ridiculous to read. And trying to read Middle English is is like reading a foreign language. And uh, so he's uh, he's writing Canterbury Tales, and of course. Aesop's fables are very influential on on everybody, and so it, amongst the Canterbury Tales is the tale, the Nun's Tale, and within that is uh, the story of the Chanticleer and the Fox. The Nun's Tale, by the way, was the the Canterbury Tale that I was assigned in senior year AP British Lit, and our English teacher, who's probably like the greatest teacher ever who walked the face of the planet told me, Kelly, I think you'll learn a lot from this tale. And as you're about to tell us what this tale is about, I was like, what's this bitch talking about? Is she saying that <laughs> I'm like totally into myself? What is the deal? Which I think she probably was saying that because I totally was when I was a senior in high school. Who isn't? But that's just an aside. Or, or, or maybe she was saying that you were, you know, unbelievably beautiful and uh, universally adored by people. Well, I mean, that's also kind of true. <laughs> Universally something by people, probably, but I don't know if it's adored. Anyway. Well, here, for for instance, within the Canterbury Tales and the story, uh, the, the description of the Chanticleer is, is like, it's setting the stage for a good-looking, good-looking good creature. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those for those of you who don't know, a Chanticleer is basically a rooster. It's a fancy way of saying rooster. And um, basically, the Chanticleer and the Chanticleer tale here in the Canterbury Tales is literally the rooster. This is the cock of the walk, baby. The cock, of the, cock walk. of the walk. Just, Just like Christopher like in Walker. The, in the <laughs> skit. He's got exactly like you. Exactly like the cowbell skit inside from Saturday Night Live when Christopher Walken says, "Cock of the walk, baby, I'm cock of the walk." Uh, so think think about that. But the, here's let me read you the description from uh, in Chaucer's words. Now this is this is not the original Middle English version. This is a what I call it, a translated version of of it. So he describes. Wait, I, posted, I posted a cock of the walk meme too, just so we can all Thank be you. on the same page. I, yes, we all need, we all need a chuckle. It's one of the greatest skits of Saturday Night Live history. Yeah. Uh, so this is how Chaucer describes the Chanticleer. For crowing, there was not his equal in all the land. His voice was merrier than the merry organ that plays in the church, and his crowing from his resting place was more trustworthy than a clock. His comb was redder than fine coral and turreted like a castle wall. His bill was black and shone like a jet and his legs and toes were like azure. His nails were whiter than the lily and his feathers were like burnished gold. Cock of the walk, baby. Cock of the walk for sure. 
So this rooster is the rooster of roosters. It's the, you know, I mean, it's the Brad Pitt of roosters, right? Like you've got, you've got the ultimate Wait, rooster. Wait, it was an alcoholic? Uh, I have no, I don't make comments like that towards people in Go Team. You, <laughs> and, Brad Pitt's an alcoholic, Josh. It's well known. Well, this is a story with facts, show with facts. You better back that up with a Google link. Oh my God. Okay. And, uh, and so we have, um, the, the Chantelier, which is this beautiful rooster in the story. Wait, is it and, a specific breed of chicken or is it, that's just a name for any like chicken? Any rooster you could call the Chantelier. Uh, as as any good teacher, I'm going. I'm challenging you to find that information for yourself. Oh my god! You that will grow as a that, person. No, that means you didn't look that up, did you? It's not That's important. What that means it's not important to my story right now. Okay. Uh, but you can. I, I challenge you to discover that for all of our listeners. Okay. Meanwhile, the story of the Chanticleer and the fox. We've set the stage, this beautiful, beautiful bird, right in the barnyard. It's got all the hens, all the hens. One particular hen really, really enjoys him. And what happens in the, in the short, sto- short form of the story, because this, it's, it could, we could get into it. Basically, the Chanticleer has a dream about being uh, murdered. And wait, the, the rooster other- has a dream about being murdered. Correct. And is okay. all a fret because he's like, oh my goodness, I, I don't know what to do. Like these dreams are portents. Like this is going to happen. Like this could happen. I don't, I, and the other hens are like, don't worry about it. You're beautiful. Nothing ever could happen to you. <laughs> and he's like, and re- no, really. And it's like, you. there's a little bit of sultriness now in, in Chaucer. He gets a little raunchy. There's actually like a barnyard, uh, a very barnyard steamy scene that, that comes apart here now because the hen and the chandelier have a little moment in the side barnyard. But guess then what happens? So all that stuff happens. By the way, read the Canterbury Tales. It does get a little graphic. I'm, I'm just, it does. It does. It's like a romance novel at one point in the story. By the way, the Chante- Chanticleer is, is currently a breed of chicken, but it originated in canada and was only developed in the early 20th century so not probably named after the rooster in canterbury tales was not a breed during the canterbury tales that was just its name correct so thank you for that now so what happens then is the fox so then the fox comes shows up and the fox is all like oh you are wait what does the fox say hmm (laughs) that was horrible but perfect it yeah. was perfect. horrible but perfect. And long story short, the fox is like, dude, if you like, if you really want to sing amazing, you gotta like close your eyes and stretch out your neck and really get those vocal cords working. And the rooster's all like, straight up, I'm gonna do that. I'll show you what's up. <laughs> and he does it. And the fox, when the as soon as the rooster closes his eyes, the fox swipes him, grabs his neck, and runs off. Commotion everywhere. Barnyard goes crazy. All the hens are clucking. The the farmer and the farmer's wife and stuff come running out. They're trying to get the trying to get the the uh, the rooster back. Meanwhile, the rooster's like, "See what the commotion you made? You should you you need to tell them what's up. Like, you should let me go so you can like gloat to them." And the fox falls for it and lets him oh, go. Oh no! So now they've both played on each other's vanities, and 
um, both have fall, fallen ill, you know, fallen ill to uh, one of the oldest tricks in the book, which is just buttering somebody up to get what you want. Talking about how amazing you are. Day. I do it every day. And, and so basically, you know, that's the story of the Fox and the Chanticleer and the Fox is like a, a very much a, a less morals lesson uh, based on, uh, you know, not, not letting other people talk you into things that you don't need to do because they're probably just playing on your vanity um, and don't really have your best. Eat you, probably. And they might eat you. Probably. And they might eat you. They're probably so going to eat you. With all that, the Nun's Tale, as you mentioned earlier, one of the classics of the Canterbury Tales. Canterbury's Tale is a classic. Such a classic that I had a whole stinking class in college about it. Still got, I got, hey, Northern Illinois University, class of 2002, English major. Thank you very much. Got that done. So how do we fast forward then to South Carolina in the 1960s? Well, exactly what I just said. English professors love them some Chaucer. The guy's been nicknamed as like the father of English literature. So if you study English literature, you, you probably love yourself some Chaucer. And or you with hate that, yourself some Chaucer. So, <laughs> or maybe relationship. Yeah, maybe it's a. Uh, is he really the father? Maybe he's just like the the uncle, uh, the drunk uncle. So with that, we flash forward to the 1960s. It's a crazy time for name and teams. It's apparently also a crazy time at Coastal Carolina University, where the English professor is also the basketball coach. Uh, it's like it's like you're in your high school. Uh, we're like, Hey, you teacher, can you, uh, can you coach basketball? And, uh, I played it in fifth grade. Okay. Go be the coach. And that's exactly how it works. Hey, do you know anything (laughs) about diving? Um, like I've done it before. Could you coach the diving team? Cause we need somebody. We'll give you $500 for a thousand hours of work. Oh, okay. I guess I can do that. Right. That's exactly how it works. So obviously uh, Mr. Maddox, Professor Maddox at Coastal Carolina University, when he becomes the basketball coach, is like any good coach, thinking, what should I name my team? My team needs a new name. I need, I need something that really speaks to who these students are and what basketball is and what it means to us currently right now at Coastal Carolina University in South Carolina in the year 1962. Where, where is, I might as well take, where is this university located? Uh, I believe it's near Myrtle beach. Oh, okay. not a hundred percent, but I believe that's where it's near, near the coast in Carolina. Hello. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if it was coastal near Carolina. Uh, and, uh, and so as any good English professor who loves Chaucer, by the way, Chaucer, first poet ever buried at Westminster Abbey, if you didn't know that, in Poets' Corner. I didn't know that. Might as well have a basketball team and sports program named after one of his most famous characters in the year 1962. And thus, Professor Maddox bestows it on the team. But as any good professor does, before making it official, before saying, this is our new name, he actually brings it to the students and says to the team, he's like, Hey, do you guys want to be the, the Chanticleers? Here's why I think we should be it because it's a story about looking good. 
but also about being quick thinking and course correcting and being agile and understanding how to get out of difficult situations uh, when you've gotten into a difficult situation. And I can't help but think that somehow is it like in, in the, in the parable on the story, the parable, some people say it's the story it could be the story of Adam and Eve. There's lots of reading into the Canterbury tales, which we could do all day long, but now I'm reading into professor Maddox Maddox right now. Right? Like it was, he was, he saying he was the Chanticleer mm-hmm. and and then the school was the fox that like played on his emotions of like vanity of like, oh, you can be the basketball coach. And then he was caught in the trap of being the basketball coach. And then he had to think of like, how can I make this appealing to me? I'll bring the oh. English into it. See what I just did there? I English majored the naming of this team. Like he was real flattered at first that they asked him because he yeah, was like, right? just like the yeah, see? And you're then good. he was like, oh my gosh, you guys want me to be the coach? Okay, and then he finds out later nobody else wanted to do it and everybody else said no, so now he feels like an idiot. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, i got to go to practice every night. I don't know if I want this. I'm like caught. There's a commotion in the school. We're growing. Nobody knows what's going on. And then he's like, oh, wait, I can make the team. Okay, and like play it for himself, right? So he does, mm-hmm. And but the team is like, no, actually, uh, coach, we love we love Chanticleers. We think that's fantastic. Not only is it a great name, and we are fierce and proud roosters, but it's a perfect uh, it's a perfect partner to the partner university at that time, South Carolina University, which is the Gamecocks. Oh my gosh, it's it's like they couldn't have written this story better. I know you have you so put yourself in Maddox's shoes. English professor becoming a basketball coach in the sixties. Your your parent university nickname is the Gamecocks. You're taking over the program. You get to name the team. Why not the Chanticleer? It's like a no brainer. It's a it's no-brainer. the thing you will do. It's like the only name you could come up with. So yeah. they named now now the team. There was a moment where the team was like, should we maybe be the Seahawks or maybe the Sharks? Oh, and they were those were names. Great. Yeah, those were names considered. But hands down, it was Chanticleer. Nope. Chanticleer. That's what it is. That's what we're doing. This is happening. And uh and so it it goes on to become a beloved uh part of the institution. Now, however, however, I had mentioned to you this was a growing university and still is growing to this day. So you know, Maddox, the professor Maddox had, had brought in the name uh, Chanticleer for the basketball team. And at the time, they didn't have a football team. Uh, but later on, uh, the football team was introduced. And uh, and when th- when it was introduced, there was some debate. It, it returned. It's like, are, are, should we still be named the Chanticleers? And the university was like, uh, maybe we just need to ask students again, what, what should we do? And uh, again, hands down, the student body was like, why are you even talking about this? We are the Chanticleers. Stop trying to change the name. And so they, they decided to keep the name, proving that it was, in fact, a beloved, beloved mascot and team name for the university. Uh, so at, uh, with that, uh, and that was in, so that, that football program started in 2003 
Um, so that they just started the football program and then asked if they wanted to keep the name or change the name in 2003. In 2003, they're like, should we change the name now? Because we, since we had the football program, it's interesting enough. The thing that really um, was kind of sh- shocking to me was that at the time, uh, Maddox himself uh, said that quote, um, he said, a football team will have to rely on physical strength to a substantial degree. There's no way around it. And thus, the metaphorical resonance with the story is kind of lost. Because for basketball, it was always it was all about the flash and the, and the like quick thinking and agility. But football is much more smash mouth, right? Like it's much more about brute strength sometimes. Uh, there is finesse and stuff in it, but it's uh, typically seen more as about brute strength, which Maddox himself as a professor was like the guy who named the team was like, I don't know if it still fits now for football. I don't know if it fits because the cock, the walk's kind of a showman It's not really about like brute strength, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting that the person who named was like, huh, I don't know anymore. And in fact, he was quoted uh, by the newspaper student newspaper at the time saying that he had no strong feelings either way about keeping it or discarding it. <laughs> That's kind of disappointing. Isn't that crazy? I would have thought he would have been like, no, you have to keep it. But I think that goes to show you how open-minded he was. This is a guy who embraced becoming a basketball coach when he was an English professor. He was probably like, hey, I don't know, to each their own. If you don't want the name anymore, you don't want the name. Yeah, that's true. But it's just not what you typically expect to hear in stories like this about people who uh, have a name or pick a name for especially a sports team and then – as we have seen in the media many times, people get very attached to the name. And when it's brought up about changing it, like people, the feelings people have about it, uh, just I think because it's so much part of their identity and part of who they are, that's what I was expecting this you to say. They're like, oh, he was like, no, do you can't change that name. We've had it since 1960, whatever. Yeah. But he could have cared less. Yeah, I thought it was great. Like, I don't know, either way, whatever you guys decide is fine with me. And but uh but again, they they choose to to keep the Chanticleer and it and it remains to this day as the the uh you know the the mascot for the school. So that that's how they became the 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 Chanticleers. Uh but it took the so the just to recap this like it it all began in the year f- you know 560 BC roughly when Aesop's writing this original fable this fable that's lasted that long handed down rewritten many times in fact it's all it was also turned into a children's illustrated book that won uh uh the Caldecott award i think or the or the uh, one of those children book awards for illustrations this is a story told over and over and over again throughout time. And so much is a, a part of the fabric of culture becomes also the name of a sports program for a university. And the more I think about it, I, it's like one of the most apt college sports names because college, yeah. you know, college sports is supposed to be a blend of education and sports, right? It's not. It's not just supposed to be about the sports program. It's supposed to be this blend of raising young minds. Yeah, I mean, you don't really 
see the connection at first. And I just posted a link to the picture of their mascot, like what it, their drawn mascot looks like. It looks pretty cool. They have cool colors. It's like a tealy green and black. Like they, I mean, it's a cool mascot, but you don't make that connection, I think, right away when you hear that like the Chanticleer is from Canterbury Tales. It's like, what? why would it be a sports, a college sports mascot? But you're right. It is kind of the perfect marriage of education and, um, I guess, physical activity because that's the name of all their sports teams. But and in the name of the in the story itself, the the rooster is very cunning and quick, and the, as well as the fox, and they're battling each other, just like you do in sporting events. Exactly right. Yeah, and then, yeah. the, so I also, there was also a great story in the sportingnews.com uh, that I read about uh, the Chanticleer name, because it's obviously a name that catches a lot of imagination in college sports. Uh, the writer, Zach Al-Khatib, wrote about it. And um, like the school, even, he even talks about how the school has so embraced the Kinnaberry Tale story and the Chanticleer story that the, the colors that you were just you mentioned earlier of the of the mascot are the colors mm-hmm. described by Chaucer in the Canterbury Tales. Oh, really? Like that teal and the yeah, the azure, the blue that he talks yeah, about, that, yeah. and the gold, um, mm-hmm. and, and the gold. So the school actually even adopted. Not only did they adopt the the name from the Canterbury Tales, but even the description that Chaucer gave to the rooster in the story. Oh, I think is just, their I think football that, field is also like that color. I'm going to post this picture. I just saw a picture of them, their football field, and it looks like it's a tealy green too, like the AstroTurf is. Yeah. So, color. Yeah, I, I, I love it when schools do that. Uh, every now and then they'll, they'll, they'll match the stuff. But I think that's like, it's like going all in and, and embracing that like, this is who we are as you know, it represents who we are. And uh, obviously the, the, the story, as we were talking, so the story of the Chanteleer and the Fox has many, many interpretations. You, you can go the biblical, pure biblical interpretation. Um, but more so of just that, um, you know, easy interpretation of how vanity can hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the interpretation of the opposite side of don't let others play on your vanity. Don't let others influence you by building you up uh, through false pretenses. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the there is the whole bit of lust in the story, as we talked about. Things get a little little steamy, a little uh, R rated. But a lot of it also has to do with like how to be quick thinking and agile and cunning. And uh, I just think that's all an all encompassing. Obviously, the story's been around since five sixty BC. So obviously it rings true for people. And when you hear the story, there, there is definitely ways to find personal growth and like understanding, right? Like a good fable or morality tale tells you. And then for a university to embrace that fully as a way to educate its students uh, is just fantastic, I think. Well, they must have a Chaucer class at this university, I would guess. Well, I'd probably still get a DRC in it because it, let me tell you. You sure would, 100%. <laughs> You try to talk your way into a different grade, but yeah, yikes! Well, let me tell you, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the other great thing though. So uh, to to f- finish up that story, so we 
talked about Maddox, the man who helped name the team, the Chanteliers. Uh, and then even, even though, uh, when they thought about renaming the mascot in 2003, he was like, Hey, whatever you want to do is cool with me. Very grown up. So mature mm-hmm. of Mr. Maddox. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Maddox, uh, is, um, has has deceased has died uh but in 2011 the school and the students chosen by student vote decided to honor professor maddox by naming their new live rooster mascot after him oh yeah they named him maddox if it's the chanticleer breed from canada the live oh yeah i would imagine right the other fun thing, uh, a fun fact, factoid is their mascot's name. So when people, like the guy dresses up as in the rooster costume, mm-hmm. his name, by the way, do you, do you want to guess what his name is? Um, his name's Jeffrey. No. Chauncey. Chauncey. Uh, Isn't that? Like- well, I was close. <laughs> I was close. I was on the right track there we were just in different trains but i was for sure close yeah chauncey chauncey so that's the story that's my story that's that's how we got how south uh coastal carolina university got the crazy mixed up team nickname of the chancellor well that was a great story i i don't think that i thing I learned today was I did not realize that Aesop of Aesop Fables was from ancient Greece. I had no idea about that. Um, did not realize that Geoffrey Chaucer basically ripped off that tale of the uh, Chanticleer and the Fox. Not the first, not the last. For the Canterbury Tales. <laughs> and uh, I don't think I would have ever guessed that a college would have made an English professor who had it's a basketball coach. <laughs> it's a basketball coach. But there you go. That's what happened. So that was all very interesting. And I have to say, I think this might be one of your stories where I learned the most. Whoa. Yeah, I think so. That's great. Even, even you who had read the nun's tale, who was familiar with Chaucer. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was over 20 years ago. So, I don't really remember it. I just remember, you know, having to read it and then having to do like a presentation about it or having to read that bit in class with other people who had their bits they had to read. And I was just over it. But that's, you know, senior year AP British Lit. That's how we all felt. We were over it. (laughs) No, that was a great job. I really learned a lot and it was interesting. And... I'd never heard of that university before, so good stuff. Yeah, well, and you know, anytime I can bring in morality to our stories and really make you look deep within yourself and understand, you know, what what are the dangers of your vanity as a person, but also the dangers of flattery and trying to recognize when someone's just trying to flatter you to get their way. I mean, yes, I agree, but I also like to be flattered with compliments. So I don't know. It goes both ways for me because I am pretty vain and I like compliments. 
So. Man, well, maybe you need to reread it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I do. <laughs> All right. Well, you did a great job, but are you ready for the next part of our show? And in this part is where the person who told the story gets asked by the other person, the big three. So I have researched three questions pertaining to some aspect of this story. And you have to give me the answer. And everyone who's listening live on Fireside right now can try and help Josh choose the right answer by throwing up your guess in the chat. You just hit the little react button there or hit the bubble above your head and pick an emoji and submit your answer. Are you ready, Josh? I was born ready in my D slash C grade in Chaucer in college. has prepared me well for this, I think. Cock of the walk, baby. Cock of the walk. (laughs) All right. Your first question. In 1998, an original Caxton printing of the Canterbury Tales sold at auction for how much money? You have choices. Don't Google it. I'm not. Was it A, $7.4 million? B, $9 million, or C, $12 million. In 1998, an original Caxton printing of the Canterbury Tales sold at auction for how much? $7.4 million, $9 million, or $12 million? Well, this is just a shot in the dark because I don't know this, so... Maybe I'll get lucky and someone else in studio right now live uh, is a uh, Chaucer scholar or follower of priceless artifacts. Um, <laughs> follower of auctions that are yeah. for the Uber, you know, 0.1%. Maybe. Yeah. Indiana Jones is in studio. He's going to know this. He, he <laughs> found it. He found it with the Holy Grail. Uh, so I find it interesting that you get one of the options of seven, uh, 7.4 million. And the other options aren't a point something million. So I feel like I, I'm going to get go with the outlier of 7.4. Damn it. I should have fixed that. You're right. It is $7.4 million. See, so there's always a, tricks in test taking. I know. William Caxton was an English printer and he printed um, the Canterbury Tales like the run that sold at auction in 1998 for $7.4 million. It was printed in 1477. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next question. According to scholars, what day did the pilgrims depart Southwark (laughs) for Canterbury in the Canterbury tales? What day did they depart? Was it April 1st? Was it March 15th? Or was it April 17th? Um, I was really hoping for some like great, like, uh, like sports stats, you know, for about the, about the Chanteliers. Nope. They're all about the Canterbury tales. (laughs) You've gone, you've gone, (laughs) To my weakest subject when I got my college degree and decided to embarrass me live on Fireside. That's um, why I picked it, because I was like, he's not going to know any of these. I mean, I might as well go with April 1st. It's Fool's Day. 
No, it is April 17th. Uh, so according to scholars, the fictional pilgrims in the Canterbury Tales departed Southwark, England on April 17th, 1387 at 4.45 a.m., also known as sunrise. Well, there you go. I don't know how they know that, but because it's not a real thing that happened. But well, because the, the Chanteleer crowed at sunrise and they got everybody going. They probably went back and looked at like the. Um, yeah, I'm sure they did some sort of studying and like saw Chaucer and. The yeah, because I don't know. Because Canterbury Tales, right. I think Canterbury Tales was first print like published in 1390. So. You said 1387 as the date? Yes. That's when they left. Maybe that's when he started, like, just testing out the works at, like, the local pub. Like, you'd go in, and they're like, it's Thursday, Chaucer's here. He's talking about the nun's tale again to everybody. He's got this idea for a bunch (laughs) of people who all got these kind of crazy problems, and they're going to go to Canterbury to pray it away. As you know what they say. Yeah. All right. right, Question number three. you're, You're 0 for 2 right now. No, I got the first one. Oh, Seven you point did. Four. That's right. Because I messed that one up. Okay, so you're you're. Uh, it's an it's even counts even. Last question. What did King Edward the Third promise Chaucer every day for the rest of his life? So King Edward the Third told Chaucer that he was going. Other give options him- or- Yes, I'm just explaining more for you. Oh. Promised him something every day for the rest of his life. Was it a loaf of bread, a basket of apples, or a gallon of wine? Mm, I'm going with the wine. Oh, you didn't even like let me restate the the question and all the answers. Uh, no, I'm just I'm just that vain and confident. I'm 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 like the Chanticleer. You are like the Chanticleer, and you are correct. It was a gallon of wine every Boom. day for the rest of his life. Um, they're not really sure why he was promised this, but it's probably for his literary works because um, it was uh, done at a time of year when the royalty, the king celebrated um, the arts and things like that. But it ended after three years when um king edward the third died and richard the second took the throne and he said no 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 more wine for you and he actually started getting money instead so it's probably better for him oh yeah that he got money instead of the wine well yeah two for three that was pretty good not not too shabby no for sure not too shabby especially since i really pulled some of these out of nowhere There's no way you would have known the what day did the pilgrims leave um, one. You would never have known that. No. But that's okay. I thought maybe you would because of your class. Like maybe you would have remembered it. It would be the one thing that rem- you remembered. And when you talked to your terrible Chaucer professor to change your grade, you were like, but when the pilgrims left on April 17th in 1387, they left with this hope in their heart about redemption <laughs> and that's why i'm here to talk to you is for redemption on my grade I, that sounds like me i, I definitely think so I know. uh so the, those listening live uh i i did drop in a a, a bit of chaucer's um 
uh, writing style that the, from, from the actual nun's tale, from the, the Chanticleer, um, story. And you can see how crazy, if you've never taken a Chaucer class, if it's never been in your cards, um, I personally feel like you're lucky because it was my least favorite class I've ever taken. Uh, but you can read how crazy it is. And now, you know, this was pre, uh, like everything's on the internet. Now you can actually just like say, give me a translated version of Chaucer and like you can read like re- like current modern English right alongside it. And so you don't have to like try to figure it out as you read it. Uh, but it literally is like reading another language. Um, so if you, want, if you want to check out some of that, that crazy, uh, 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 writing, uh, check that out in the, the chat box now. That's crazy. Um, there are probably people who just teach middle English, right? Like at Oxford or something that that's their only thing that they teach. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's people who just speak, it. who only speak middle, uh, um, you know, old English style, like go to like a Renaissance fair or something. They're probably all. Like Charles super Olympic. into it, right? Yeah. 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 All right. Now is the time of our show where we give each other a score for our story. And this really started when we started our podcast because we would each tell a story because we weren't recording live on Fireside. So we had a bit more time and we each told a story and then we got to score each other's story. And then someone won that episode because we're sports podcasts and we're American and we like to win things. So we're still doing it because I also still like to win and rub it in when I get better scores than Josh does. So there's four categories. And with that said, those in the audience, I need your support here. So if you can, if you can help with the grading, that would be fantastic. Kelly is notorious as being as a harder grader as my Chaucer professor in college. That's a low blow, but okay. (laughs) Um, so there's four categories, and each category gets a score from one to five, one being terrible and five being amazing. So the first category is uniqueness of the name of the team. I think Chanticleer is a pretty unique name. I don't know if there's another team named that somewhere. It did not come up when I searched it. It was only the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, but there could be another team somewhere possibly a minor league baseball team probably a high school team maybe no way you don't think no i think there's other like i think there i mean obviously the gamecocks and i think there's probably like a roosters but i i i'm i'm guessing it's the only chanticleer okay well i'm gonna give you a five because it is a pretty unique name oh yeah all right, category two. Don't get cocky yet. Oh, did you see what I did there? <laughs> did you see what I did there? I, was, I, I know you've probably been sitting on that one for about a, uh, 50 minutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, golly. That one's going to – I'm going to eat out to dinner on that one for a while. Um, the second category is reflection of the town or city in the team name. Here's where you're going to get a little bit of a lower score because – Coastal Carolina doesn't really have anything to do with the Canterbury Tales or with roosters in general. So I feel like it's not really a reflection of the area or the region, more of just the English professor who was the basketball coach and what he True, liked. but remember I did say that it it, it did it was a nice uh 
sister name to the Gamecocks that were the South Carolina University name, and they were associated with the Gamecocks at the time because they were a sister university. Yeah, but again, I don't know if the Gamecocks has anything to do with Carolinas. I have no idea. Well, so maybe you need that. to do that. Maybe you need to do that next week. <laughs> well, I'm not. I already know what I'm doing next week, and I will spoil it at the end of the show. But whatever. I'm going to give you a three on that one, and you're going to like it. That's, that's the final word. Uh, the third category is interest of the story behind the team name. It was a very interesting story. You had ancient Greece. You had the Middle Ages. You had the 60s. I mean, really, we did do a complete Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure here. And it was fascinating. And I Coastal learned, Carolina football rules. I learned a lot. I'm going to give it a five. Excellent. And the last category is, does the team name stand the test of time? This one can be a tricky one because sometimes we'll do a newer team and they have just picked their name. And while it might be a really, really good name, it hasn't been around long enough to get a high score in this one. This, however, has had the chance to change their name twice or not twice, once. But they always ask the students about the name change and the students said no. So I like that that means that much to the students that they take that much pride in the name and they want to keep it. It's only been around since the 60s, which we have done far, far older team names than the Sean but, the te- but, but it's been around since the team's always existed, pretty much. There was a, there was a couple of years before where they were not, where they weren't that, but they, it was a budding university. There was a thousand students. It was just getting started. I get it. And they've had the opportunity to change the name and they decided not to. So that tells me that they're going to stay the Chanticleers for a long time. They're not changing it. Probably ever. If they could have changed it in 2003 yeah. and didn't. It's not happening. It's not happening. Good so, enough for Chaucer. Good enough for them. <laughs> yes. So I think I'm going to give it a five. For real. Excellent. That's a total of 18. That's not a bad score. That's a great score. It's a really good score. For yeah. you. Really good. Well, for anyone. Well, not for me. I get really high scores for my stories, but that's fine. Well, careful. Do you, I got a great story. <laughs> I got a great story you should read. It's called The Clear <laughs> and the Fox. Uh, you might learn a few things about vanity in there. <laughs> oh, oh, way, to, way to wrap it all around and tie it up in a pretty bow for the people. It's nice. Yeah, there you go. Wrap it so, all up. Uh, so, yeah, so this, yeah, this year, I hope everyone uh, cheers on Chauncey. And the the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina University, um, and if I, now I feel like I got to get to a, like an in person game so I can see the uh, the uh, Rooster Maddox strutting on the field. Yeah, I hope they have it on a little leash or something that would be really cute, or with like a little sweater on, like a little college sweater. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would love that. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Fantastic. So, yeah, so that's it. That's the story for tonight. Uh, I scored well. Uh, did all right on the quiz. I feel good. I, I feel like I've redeemed my bad grade in Chaucer from college. I think you did. I think you can, you know, petition NIU to change that on your transcript. Yeah. I mean, at least from a C to a B. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, uh, that about wraps things up here on Go Team Sidelines uh, Live Edition here on Fireside. We uh, we always love uh, having people live in studio with us. So thank you so much uh, for joining us. If anybody uh, had any uh, party thoughts or anything, feel free to drop it in the chat. Uh, we'd love to answer anything else uh, by the end of the show here. But also want to uh, remind everyone that we are live on Fireside Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. Tuesday night edition is our Sidelines Edition when we tackle uh, cultural pursuits of sports and whatnot uh, each Tuesday night. And uh, on Thursday nights is our long-form stories where we dive into the history and background of team names. You can catch all previous episodes that were recorded live on Fireside on Kelly's profile or my profile. Check those out. You can see all those stories. And then if you want to go, if you want to, we're all about dialing it way back. If you want to dial it way back and go to the original Go Teams, Season 1 and Season 2 are all available on your favorite streaming service of choice, iTunes, Spotify, you name them. They're there. We're there. Mm-hmm. And you can catch up on all the past episodes from the Brooklyn Dodgers to uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, Boston Celtics, Texas Rangers. Uh, we've, we've run the gamut. Uh, high school to pro. You can check out all kinds of great stories uh, through those streaming services and our other seasons. Uh, we're on social media. Can I tell them where to find us? We are mainly on Instagram at glow underscore team underscore stories. Um, That's where we do a lot of our posting. We have a Facebook page, go team store or just go team. You can email us at go team stories at gmail.com for any uh, questions, suggestions. Maybe you have a team name you think we should do. Uh, That's a good way to reach us. And all of that is in our links in our bios on fireside on our link tree, you can find all of that information as well. And as a final shout out to those who aren't listening on fireside, perhaps you're listening to a replay. Perhaps you're on one of the streaming services. Uh, perhaps you're listening over someone's shoulder at an airport, whatever it might be. We would love to have you join us live on fireside being one of our VIP guests. So you can get the in fireside treatment uh, for a live show. Go ahead and email us, uh, and we will get you a special VIP link to join the fun here on Fireside. And uh, with all of that, thanks again to our listeners tonight. And I think, Kelly, that's about it. And there's only one thing left to say. There sure is, and that's go team. Go team.